1390 AM, The Fan. A happy Wednesday to you all on a halfway through the week. It's hump day. For our one-year start time, Eric France and Andre Salveson here on 106.9-1390 AM, The Fan. You can catch us on 106andthefan.com and also find our podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify to hear our show's previous and uh, post-game presser. Actually, we don't have a post-game presser up yet from last night. But RJ, you had one job. No, I was actually pretty busy. Actually, today. you had many jobs. Yeah, I was running all over, just like you usually do. And you were busy as well, which means we didn't even get a chance to talk to each other today. This will be a great show today. Yeah, we have. So, I mean, he, he, I love when people do that. <sighs> Halfway like, in, halfway out. Creak not, open the door. We can hear sliding, and then it it's kind of like back. your what? it's kind of like your effort. Some days, what? halfway in, Are halfway you out. In? Oh, there's a live show in here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it happens so often. So you know, let's let's pull the veil open just a bit. Lift the curtain here. We we did our prep really really well, but we didn't talk to each other while doing our prep for like two hours. So this is really our first real conversation about everything that's gone on. Usually we kind of go through, hey, what do we want to talk about? What are the things we want to hit on? What are the things that will be of interest? We didn't do that today. So what are you is, talking about, Ajay? We are always super prepared and this very organized. is what we call winging it. By the way, did you get your uh, movie quiz prepared uh, for the day? Again, I was quite busy today. <laughs> so there is no movie quiz today, actually. I just... Re- I realized I was supposed to remind you of that earlier. Oh, I should. Well, okay. So when I was on my way to the studio, I'm like, okay, I got to think of a movie, to, you know, to do. And then I got caught up in doing other things and prepping. You know, we want to recap the USU men's basketball game, and also more importantly, we need to get ready for Fresno State as it's an in the know Wednesday. And I hadn't done a great job uh, up to today of getting ready for Fresno. I've seen some film, but I really haven't gone through it like I should have. And so here I am, no movie quiz. Thank the Lord. I think our audience is probably okay. Yeah, that. I was going to say, I think they're going to be all right. You're just fine. I mean, honestly, who's actually really a big... Okay, everybody's a big fan of the movie quiz, actually. If you're not a big fan of the movie quiz, I need you to turn off your radio. Okay? Because the movie quiz is what makes this show go. So, For everybody. <laughs> here are things we do want to discuss tonight. Uh, Utah State, with their season opener, home opener, last night for basketball, um, didn't blow their opponent away. Let yeah. them let their star about that get all kinds of chunk plays, and uh, so that was a little stressful until near the end. Yeah, uh, what does Coach Smith and some of the players have to say about that? What happened there? Utah Jazz are back in action tonight. There's a lot of uh, controversy in the NBA that Kawhi Leonard is missing his second game uh, already of this young season because of load management. Is it a problem? Is it not a problem? That's I think that's what well, everybody... And the, the NBA has weighed in on this, so hear what they have to say. Um, next hour, it's uh, in the know Wednesday. Got a lot of interesting stuff from the coaches and the players about this matchup of uh, Utah State going on the road at Fresno State. Should be nice weather, uh, mid-70s or low-70s, sunshine, middle of the day. I think that really bodes well for Jordan Love to have a great game. And he, needs a, he needs one. He needs one, and I think this whole team needs one. Odds makers are all in on Fresno State in this one. It as, opened as a close as game. As they should be. All the money's going towards the Bulldogs. But um, uh, you'll hear from some of the players. Uh, I asked each one of them, what's the mood in practice? How are things going? And uh, I guess you can judge for yourself how uh, you think things are going for Utah State. So uh, all that's coming up next hour. So stay tuned for yeah, that. Yeah, plenty of audio from Coach Tedford, a couple players from Fresno State, Utah State, uh, plenty of sound bites. You got a few from Gary Anderson, only a few, to be honest with you. Uh, it, was, it was pretty quiet for the most part. And then uh, don't forget, Jazz Sixers tonight. Now, Eric, here's how rough of a day I had yesterday. Not only did I get the stat that blew our mind wrong, horribly wrong, and we will recap yesterday's college basketball game. Not games. horribly wrong. I mean, it wasn't not like it really was great. totally incorrect. It just the time frame was a little <laughs> off. <that's all. laughs> the look that you gave me was like, 
uh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we'll uh, we'll. So, anyways, not only did they get that wrong, but then I kept saying that the Bucks and the Jazz were playing tonight, and the Sixers was on Friday. You kept saying the Bucks and the Sixers, Milwaukee and Philadelphia, in that order, and I just didn't really think much of it. I didn't hear you say that the Jazz were playing the Bucks on Wednesday. Yeah, that's I said that a few times. And okay. So, well, they don't. They're playing the Sixers tonight. Uh, a team that's actually playing really, really good basketball. Not that it should necessarily be a huge surprise because uh, they had a lot of experienced guys coming back. I mean, they did lose some, and their roster is a little bit different this year. But um, that's uh, going to be an interesting challenge for the Jazz because they are, uh, they've struggled their last couple of games in closing out games they should win and getting those securing those rebounds and not allowing second chance opportunities. Yeah. And this is going to be a big uh, Sixers team that they're going to have to go up against that has Embiid back in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, and, and they present a, there's a couple of matchups that you're looking forward to tonight. Jill Embiid, Rudy Gobert is one of those. The other is Mr. Rookie of the Year and runner-up Rookie of the Year, Donovan Mitchell versus Ben Simmons. Donovan Mitchell is, by the way, I want to make something very clear. Donovan Mitchell is bitter about not winning Rookie of the Year. He feels like he should have. And then he feels like the way Ben handled it was even more of a saltier taste. He's bugged by that. and he. But at the same time, do you know what Donovan Mitchell's record versus the Sixers is? I don't. Not off the top of my head. 0-4. He's not beaten Philadelphia yet. Mm. Juicy. I guess it'd be more than 0-4, wouldn't it? Because they played twice last year, twice the year before. Yeah, yeah it's 0-4. It'd be 0-4. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so, in that regard, um, the Jazz... Really, there's, I mean, just to get off the schneid, and I mean, it's, it's taken Mike Conley a lot longer to get to where he we thought he should be or he would be at this point. Uh, it's taken forever for, uh, you know, Bojan Bogdanovic has not been great. He's been okay, but he's not been great. Uh, he's been okay, great. I guess maybe that's a questionable. The expectations term. that we have for him have not been where. But he's had it to. not been for Boyan, the Jazz would not even have four wins. He has saved the Jazz in a couple of their wins. Had it not been for his play, there's a couple of games they wouldn't have got. I think the big thing for this Jazz team is that uh, that back up to Rudy Gobert. And just what's happening in the middle uh, in securing rebounds and taking away second chance opportunities and getting Mike Connolly going. He made some comments, uh, who was it too, The Athletic, that for the longest time he was used to a certain system and he was used to Mark Gasol being there and the things that he could do. So he's used to playing with a big man, but Marc Gasol's ability is very different from Rudy Gobert's. So basically, in a new city, in a new system, he's making the comments like it's it's like starting over. It's, it's almost been like starting from scratch. Mike Connolly will come around. He'll get it. He's a good enough player, smart enough player. He'll figure it out. I'm not necessarily concerned about him. I am concerned about how this team is built in being able to secure second-chance opportunities, especially if Rudy Gobert's off the floor. Another guy who is quite frustrated with the way that his team has been playing more on the offensive side is Rudy Gobert. Uh, After their loss to the Clippers, a 105-94 loss, uh, which was the biggest, uh, I guess, the biggest so far loss of this small sample size season, he said, quote, when you have a guy that's 7-2 who can catch the ball and finish under the rim, you have to use it. We haven't done it in the last two games. We're not doing it right now. So I'm hoping we can work on it. I feel like I can contribute to the team, but I need to be giving a chance. And so far, for whatever reason, that hasn't happened. End quote. Uh, awkward? Uh, Maybe. I mean, it's... 
Why look, do it into the media? Why don't you just go to the coach in the locker room and say, hey, look, guys, I'd like the ball, please. Well, I get what he's saying. I mean, against the Kings and the Clippers, they didn't have anybody that could match him yeah. at his size. So I, I get it. He's he's a competitor. He wants to win. And he saw that in the last two games that they had, they didn't have anybody that could match him. So why is everybody else trying to chuck up shots that you don't need to be in the middle of traffic when you got a bunch of guys around you your same size that make it tough? Go to the guy that has the advantage. Uh, Rudy's just, he's a competitor. He's a fight. He wants to win. So I have no problem with what he said. Maybe that he took it to the media instead of keeping it internal, but I can't disagree with what he has to say. When you're going up against an opponent that's giving up that much size, man, take advantage of him. Now, they won't have that same advantage tonight against the Sixers. You got Al Horford and Embiid that can match. Yeah, it. it's going to be a little bit different tonight. But that that matchup is going to be so much fun. Like I'm really looking forward. And and by the way, Ben Simmons, who's supposed to be this All Star caliber player, he still can't make a three. So why is he still an all? Why is he an All Star? What is so good about Ben Simmons? Well, I mean, he does a lot of other things. What? It's what? not just Eric, about what does outside he do? shooting. What does he do? Well, his size and his ball handling makes it really tough as if he's a defender on other point guards. <laughs> he goes to the rim. He's an at-the-rim player. Because he can't shoot outside. Well, he's an aggressive attack-the-basket guy. He's a guard. You, you, so? You're a guard and you can't shoot from the outside? What are you doing on the team? That you have to be able to shoot from the outside as a guard in the NBA in this day and age. Yes, back in nineteen all the other intangibles in your five, you didn't have to shoot. Back in ninety five, you didn't have to worry about shooting from the three point line. Anything and everything was inside. Now, games totally changed. Oh, totally changed. We got seven foot two guys that are regularly out there popping three point shots and making them. Well, look. Do you remember when Ricky Rubio was at a week ago? Who are they playing? And, and and the guy was daring him, begging him to shoot a three. Oh yeah, like that's how it is with Ben. If if I'm Utah, I go to the free throw line, I stand there, and I make him shoot. And if he hits one, great. Try hitting three in a row, then, buddy. He can't, and he's a guard. That, that does. That's no good. Yeah, but you don't have to shoot a three point shot to be considered an all star. There's a lot of other things that he does. I mean, the guy's got a, a lot of triple doubles. He's a he's he a good aggressive have player. A lot of triple doubles. He got to the mark quicker than Luka Doncic at a young age with how many triple doubles that he got. That was one of the stats that I talked about just the other day. He's a good player. <laughs> he's not a good shooter, <laughs> but he's a good player. He can't. <sighs> I don't see why you think it has to be mutually exclusive. Because he's a have guard. To be, one has to be connected to the other. You can be a good player but not be a great shooter. And he can't play defense. Andre Drummond, is he a great shooter? Don't, is he playing like an all-star? Don't all put Andre Drummond with don't, Eric. Look you what know, that guy's doing. You're he's a smart. beast. You're a smarter, you're a smarter analyst Oh, than but wait. He's not a ben shooter. Ben Simmons can't play defense and he can't shoot. He can't play defense? I don't think he can play defense. I really don't. He's a decent defender, especially with that size and who he gets paired up against regularly. Rudy Gobert is a great if defender. If you're 6'2 guard and he's on the other side and he's 6'10 with long arms, you don't think that has any effect? He can't move his feet. Oh, come on. Why are we talking about Ben Simmons? We should be talking about the Utah Jazz. I'm just saying because Ben Simmons bugs me. Okay, so what are the keys for the Jazz to be able to get a win tonight to get off this little schneid? Well, I think... The last two games have kind of gotten away from them. They've had opportunities and they've gotten away late because they weren't able to close it out and they weren't able to secure the rebounds. So for me, I think it's eliminate second chance opportunities, keep the ball movement going, and keep other guys engaged. Uh, I think that uh, it, there was a certain point in the game against the Clippers the other night that Donovan was doing the right thing he was forcing yeah. some things and getting the Clippers into foul trouble. Absolutely. He was stopping the clock. He was keeping the Jazz in it. But as he kept doing it, he started to 
do that to the detriment of himself and his team. Because then all of a sudden they started making switches. Now Kawhi Leonard's guarding him, and and he's doing everything on his own. And then everybody's standing around just waiting for him to do it. When the ball's moving around, everybody touches the ball. Everybody's engaged. Everybody feels like they're doing something. And so uh, I think the Jazz need to get back to that. And they've got to do a better job on the boards. And, and they'll be challenged greatly on that with that tonight. The Sixers are a big team. And some of their, their best talent is going to be right there in the paint. So that's going to be a real big challenge for the Jazz. Other notable games tonight will be... Oh, I just, oh, there we go. Will be Houston, Golden State, if you want to call that a notable game. No Steph Curry, no Klay Thompson, no Kevin Durant. <laughs> Starting so, three rookies that nobody can name. Speaking of nobody can name or all-stars not being able to play or not wanting to play, you tell me. Clippers will be hosting the Milwaukee Bucks on a national television game without, guess who? Kawhi Leonard. Now, a lot of people are upset about this. I want to get your opinion on this in just a moment. The NBA has released their statement on it saying, quote, Kawhi Leonard is not a healthy player under the league's resting policy and as such is listed as managing a knee injury in the L.A. Clippers injury report. The league office, in consultation with the NBA's director of sports medicine, is comfortable with team's medical staff's determination that Leonard is not sufficiently healthy to play in back-to-back games at this time. I... I understand the fans' frustration by not getting to see the all-star players or the big-time players, but I also understand sitting Kawhi. Like, 82 games is a long season. And by the way, Kawhi absolutely shot down the theory that needing to play 82 games is better for the NBA then, I mean, or at least leading up to the playoffs. Because guess what? He sat out 22 games last year, looked incredible in the playoffs, in so much he helped his team win an NBA championship. I'm sorry, but the players win in this battle. It's not about the fans. It's about the player and its health. And I'm 10 out of 10 times, the organization is going to take the player over the fans. And they should. It's, it's, because, by the way, they're paying the player. I, I mean, it's frustrating to see this happening, and I think it, it will become an, a growing trend. Oh, and, much more now than it did before. Too. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's disgusting, quite frankly. Um, okay, there are people who, I mean, this is a, this is a legitimate top five guy in the NBA, no questions asked. And there are people that, maybe some people that have saved up for months to get their family to go to a game. Bought tickets. They're planning on it. Hey, we're going to see Kawhi Leonard in town. Oh my gosh, it's Kawhi Leonard and Giannis. That's going to be a great matchup. We can't miss that. He won't be there because he's resting. Uh, now, granted, they'll still play the game. You'll, if you attend, you'll probably still see an interesting ball game. But this is this is troublesome to me. These guys are paid to play a full season. I get injuries happen. And... You can't start creating a situation where guys get penalized because they're injured. Guys, if they are injured, they need to take the time to get themselves healthy and right, or it will become even worse. Kevin Durant, case in point, with what happened last year in the playoffs. But we're seeing a point where Kawhi Leonard has reached a certain stratosphere that he can say, Look, I want to make sure I'm fresh in June, so I'm not going to kill myself in November. I'm not going to go out there and play really that hard. I'll turn it on in April, March, uh, March, April, May, and June. And that's when it really matters the most. The rest of the year, meh. Home court, meh. Whatever. He's reached such a level where he's that good and that competitive that the Clippers, they haven't. All they can say is, "Look, we're happy to have you on our roster. You take whatever time you need." Because the NBA can look at players and say, "We can come up with any variety of inju- quote unquote injuries to rest a player." You know what? I'm sore. I played hard. I'm sore. Okay, uh, knee soreness. Sit down. Don't don't uh, go too hard. 
So I don't know. The, the, the only solution I can think of is to eliminate back-to-backs. I, I'm not a fan of them anyway. I've never have been. I applaud the NBA for changing their schedule for the last few years, starting it a little bit earlier. It lengthens the season, but it does give more time between games. Some people are like, look, these are professional athletes. They should be able to go 40 minutes a game, 82 games a year. That is such a rare thing to do. It's inc- Frankly, that's incredible if anybody can do that. But guys need rest. Body needs time to recover. So give them a little bit more time between games. I don't like the back-to-backs. If you're at home on a back-to-back, fine. Oh, that's a good But if point. you have to travel... That's a great point. I think that's hard. So people always... Now, people now bring up the thought of... Well, back in the day, you know, they played four games in five nights, six games in eight nights, three on the road, five at home, whatever the. I mean, I think what was it like three, four months ago? You had these old jazz schedules, and we were looking at them. I mean, they were I still have them in the drawer. They were one. brutal. Well, that that was it. The two thousand lockout year. Yeah, that was brutal, and that, that's why the Jazz did not win. The, the, the Jazz should have won the, the championship that year. They were in line to do it. They had the talent and the team. But because of the lockout, they tried to shorten this, or they tried to uh, still salvage some sense of a normal season. But to do that, they had to play a lot of games in a, lot of, in a short amount of time. What year was that? 2000? Is that what you said? I think it was 2000. It sounds like you're right. Hold or was it 99? I think it was 99, actually. Yeah, it was 99. Yeah, it was the 99 so, 2000 season. You know, guys like John Stockton and Carl Malone, they're Jeff Hornacek, they're they were veteran Wait, players. Did they, they play an eighty two game season? Uh, I don't think it was eighty two. So that might have been a year. I'm, oh wait, nope, it was ninety eight, ninety nine. Okay. And you're right. So their season started on February fifth, right. ended on May fourth. But they had to fit in fifty games to do so. Yeah, it was so it like was for example. They had the four games in five nights. On the 7th in February, they were at Los Angeles. The 9th, they were at Dallas. 11th, at Phoenix. 12th, at Golden State. 15th, home in Sacramento. But then the 16th, at Seattle. Like, it was just nuts. I mean, 15th, 18th, 19th, 21st, they all had games on the road in an in a East Coast swing. And then had, and then two days later, had to play the Heat at home. And then another five games in f- six nights, all on the road. That is ridiculous. Where did they end up in the playoffs? Oh, they lost to the Kings that year, huh? That's right. I hated that Kings team back then, too. Hated them. Uh, yeah, and, and here's the thing. I'm with you. Like, because, look, everybody wants to see the stars play, right? Yeah. The NBA wants its stars to but play. But you have to protect your assets. Yes. You do. right? You, you want to see them play, and you want to see them at full strength, in the playoffs as well. So how do you manage both? I don't know. Yeah. It's tough. I under look, I'm not on the fan side in this regard. I'm not. Alright. I, I, I feel like those teams that have to take care of their players, you want a healthy Kawhi because no one gives a crap about the regular season. Playoffs is where it matters. Yeah, fans give me missed that he spent eighty, you know, hundred and fifty dollars on a ticket to see Kawhi sit the bench. But then come in April, June, when they're competing for an NBA championship, you're thrilled. You're so excited that the Clippers are in the NBA Finals playing for an NBA championship. You forgot that you spent $150 on a ticket to watch Kawhi play. It's a fair point. What what happens in April, May, and June, you have completely forgotten about what was going on in November and December with your team or with the players. Yeah. But if you got your roster healthy and raring to go, then those games that was disappointing that your star favorite player didn't play are a distant memory that no one cares about anymore. But what's funny is that Kawhi has consistently done this now on national games. He's doing yeah. it once a week. Is this <laughs> going to be a, that's is Dallas, this be a That's trend? a good point you bring up. That's a great point you bring up. It's not that he's doing it, but it's that he's doing it on nationally televised games when NBA would love to have the ratings right. skyrocket to it's see like, the Freak versus Kawhi. It's shining a, a brighter spotlight on yeah. all of this. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of players being injured or being out, Golden State Warriors, I already mentioned that Curry, Thompson, and of course Durant's in Brooklyn now. Uh, they'll, they'll also be without tonight D'Angelo Russell, Draymond Green. <laughs> they both will be out tonight. Uh, Russell sprained his ankle uh, Wednesday night versus the Rockets. Green's been rolled out for the entire three-game road trip. Yeah, he hurt his finger. Yeah, according to Coach Kersel. He's he's out. Uh, so their starting five will be Kai Bowman, Jordan Poole, Eric Pascal, who, by the way, had a great night the other one, uh, other night, Willie Cauley-Stein, and Glenn Robinson third. And their 2-5 and five start is their worst start since the 11-12 season. Welcome back to earth, Golden State. <laughs> Seriously, though, like, look, I mean, people feel bad for him. I don't. You had, like, five years of an incredible run. You're, you're just fine. Now, it sucks that you... got your share and your unfair share oh, of yeah. what was going on Absolutely. in the NBA. Absolutely. You, you got your little run. You're, you can just sit there and be quiet for a little bit. Uh, other Again, other noble games tonight. Milwaukee Clippers, like I said, 8 o'clock tonight on ESPN, and then also on ESPN the earlier... By the way, the earlier game, Eric, Golden State in Houston at 5.30. Um... So make sure, and that's also on ESPN. So, uh, Jazz uh, Clippers will be on AT and T Sportsnet if you have Directv. If and you have, this radio station, and that's right. Thank you, this radio station. Yes. Uh, and by the way, that's, that's right. I, that's what I usually do. Now I love Craig Bullerjack. I adore the guy. I've I spent time with them and talked with them. Nicest human being on the planet. But I love being able to turn on TV and then listen to Locke. And just kind of getting that radio field talk. It's just, it's just fun. I try. I have my OK Google and I turn it on and I call for it. It's, it's great. I love it. Yep. So we'll have pregame at about six fifty right okay. here, and tip off at seven o'clock. And we'll have pretty much all of the Utah Jazz games here on the fan. Which is the awesome. only thing that might preempt it is if there's a Skyview basketball game. But yeah, it's gonna still gonna be a little while before those happen. Uh, by the way, uh, side note and a, uh, what would you call it, stationary note, I guess I should say, uh, for tomorrow, we'll be interrupted by Thursday Night Football at 5.45 oh. as, as the London Chargers uh, will take on the <laughs> Oakland Raiders. <laughs> that's gaining steam, apparently. Dude, that's bad. If I'm the, hey, okay, did you see you the tweet? you a time Chargers fan, how sick are you? Yeah, like, did you see the team? tweet from the Chargers, by the way? Of the clip of Wolf on Wall Street? No. How, like, unfiltered that tweet was? It's a, it's a clip of Wolf on Wall Street, and it's a rated R movie for obvious reasons, which I've never seen, and I never will. But there's some language in that tweet, and they just... You should watch it. And uh, you don't even have to listen to it. It's just him saying, we're not going. I'm staying right here. And, and then you see, like, some guy... Flipping off the camera, like they and it's from the Chargers. It is from their tweet, and they haven't deleted it. So they are emphatic that they're going to stay. But if they're going okay. to stay, why is the why is the athletic who actually does a pretty credible job in, in their work? Why are they reporting that you, even though say that you're committed to staying, have interest in going to London? Why would that report even come out? Well, it's clear that the NBA, or NBA, the NFL has uh, it's been trying to grow an NFL fan base in London for the last several years. Because at first it was one game, and then it was a few. Now it's like they're half the season. There's games being played in London. Yeah. And by it, the way, the NFL teams are not a fan of them. No, they don't like the travel and the time difference. So... Could there be an NFL franchise in London someday? Someday? Maybe. Maybe. But honestly, if that's going to happen, we have to be... There has to be some engineering feat that allows humans to travel across the Atlantic Ocean at a much quicker pace than what they're currently doing. Could you imagine, like, looking at your schedule? If you're the Oakland Raiders, I guess the Las Vegas Raiders, San Francisco 49ers, Seattle Seahawks, and you have to play a game in London? Yeah. If you're New England... Okay, it's not that big a deal. But from the West Coast going there, you're, and then yeah. you got to come back home the following week for. And by the way, if they get, and I know they wouldn't, but just think about this. Oh, okay, so we have a game on Monday night in London, and then we got to come back home and play a game on Sunday. Yeah, they'd have to be some. They really schedule have, consideration that yeah. would always have to be put in place. Kind of like with that BYU. the week after 
or like Hawaii. Um, you yeah. know, if the week after you go to or play a game in London, you've got an automatic bye week. I don't know. I mean, I think it's on one hand intriguing to grow the game and make it international and, and spread its footprint. But on the other hand, it's that you can't tweak geography. I mean, it is what it is. The the miles aren't getting shorter. So unless uh, they bring back the Concorde jets to get you across the pond in just a few short hours, uh, I, I just don't see a viability of having an NFL franchise in London. I just... It's it's a bad idea, and the fact that there's even a report coming out of it is not a good look on the Chargers at all. Look, the, the and, Chargers, and it's a mess for them. They have to clean up. They had a bad arena in San Diego, that, and that affected oh, yeah. their fan base. Yeah, I've been so, in Qualcomm Stadium. That thing is garbage. So instead, they're thinking, oh, we just don't have a good fan base here, so let's go to the big Los Angeles metro. There's room enough for us. We can do great there. We'll go in on this some new fancy stadium. That'll be the, the answer to all of our problems. In the meantime, we'll go to some small stadium that can only fit. What does that arena fit? 20, 25, maybe 30,000? Close to 30. Fringing on 30. And it hasn't really grown. In fact, how embarrassing was it? I watched it the other day. I guess it's now a couple of weeks ago. When Pittsburgh came to play the Chargers, there were more Pittsburgh fans in that small arena than Chargers fans. They just have not taken uh, foothold in Los Angeles. The Rams already had history there, uh, and they've been there longer. They're in a bigger arena. It's more exciting. They've had a more successful club. Uh, if I, the Chargers organization is just out there floundering. They don't know who they are or where they're even going to be. Who in London really is like, yeah, let's go Chargers. Let's bring that yeah. exciting historic franchise to our <laughs> shores. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it's an absolute mess. I mean, and, and the thing is, is I don't know if you can solve it right now. And I, and, and really, like, as upset as Oakland is about losing the Raiders, I think San Diego is just devastated by the way they've been treated for being as loyal as they have been to a team that hasn't made the Super Bowl since 95. Just blows my mind. I know. If if you if the NFL is is really interested in London and the England market as a whole, just keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. Could not agree more. All right, I got to take a break. Coming back, we will get to some Utah State basketball. The Yankees were twenty one and a half point favorites, and then the game started, and things got really really dicey, especially in the second half. We'll talk about that and more. It's all coming out of the Full Court Press. Eric France and Amaj Salveson, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Eric France and Andre Salveson on the full court press for 37 year time on a Wednesday. You're halfway through the week. Hang in there. Two days away from the rivalry night, Weber State heads to the spectrum to face the Utah State Aggies. Both teams are 1 and 0. And by the way, how about Utah Utes last night taking down Nevada? Led by uh, one of the vocal, I guess, one of the main catalysts in that win. Local. Uh, Mountain Crest Ridgeline star Jackson Branchley had a nice hand in that win as Utah State. Rylan Jones was really big in that too. Dude, Rylan's a ball. former Logan hey, High product. So wait, did he go to Olympus? He did. He started at Logan, and then his dad got the job at Utah, and so he followed him to Utah. Okay, and uh, transferred to Olympus High School. Okay, but yeah, he, he there was a notable difference when he was on the court and when he was not on the court. Dude, uh, that, that was team like Nevada's first home loaded. loss in like forever. Yeah, but they're they're not the same. Team. Yeah, I mean you like you watched Nevada last year and then you watch them this year. There is a incomplete difference and not in a good way. Uh, meanwhile, for the Aggies, they get to uh, they get to uh, rest up after. Excuse me. Wow, uh, rest up after. <laughs> 
You're right over there? I'm dying. You need to rest up? I need to talk to Oh, shut up. The one who was in there looked like a zombie. <laughs> oh my gosh, just staring at the ground. Uh I was yeah. tired, okay? I had oh. a late night. Oh my gosh, yeah. Staying up watching watching basketball. Yeah, there's election returns. Oh my gosh. Then Utah go State basketball it. stuff. Oh wow. And then other things I had to write and prepare for today. We all had things to do today and last night. Mount not Mount. I need a rest. I need a something strong to drink. But uh, Utah State eighty-one seventy-three winners over Montana State in Game One for both teams. Utah State led by uh, guess who? Sam Merrill, especially when they needed it most. He had twenty-eight points, only five of fourteen from the field, one of two from deep. But he went seventeen, Eric, seventeen of eighteen from the line. In fact, on those free throws, uh. The it, it tied a school he record for the most free record. throws in a single game. Tim Tolstrup from 1970 versus Utah and Bart Johnson in 54 versus Idaho are the only two other Aggies to accomplish such a feat. But they had a hard time containing Harold Frey. I mean, that okay. dude was just... No, it's not containing him. It's just him hitting well, shots. Well, yeah, he, true. But he was, holy cow. Yeah, the one where he pulled up from the New York Life little sponsorship logo and hit it. I mean, and then one of them, he goes on the screen. Now, granted, the Utah State, I think it was Cuba who went under. Shouldn't have, but he went under. But Cuba, being Cuba, has these long arms, still gets there for a good closeout, and knocks it down anyways. I mean, dude, the guy was pulling up from 30 feet. Which, they're going to see more of that with some of the teams that they're going to face in the non-conference. They're going to have some really talented dudes. So, it was probably good for USU to go up against somebody like that. Um. So it, it still come away with the win, but be tested against a great shooter. Harold Frey is that great shooter. He goes ten to twenty from the field from Montana State, six to ten from deep. He's perfect from the charity stripe, eight of eight. We'll talk about that number in just a little bit. He finishes with thirty four points in thirty six minutes. In fact, only four other players have went to the spectrum since two thousand ten and scored thirty four points or more. He is now number five to do so. Kid was just lighting it up. Pretty rare feat. Um, but it was interesting to see, first of all, just what the starting lineup was going to look like, uh-huh. right? Let's let's start from the very beginning uh, with the the injuries that have happened. Uh, not sure who was going to play, what roles, right? How it was going to work out with rotations. Mm-hmm. But to see Kuba as the as the starting center, uh, you know, he's had some a uh, little bit of an injury bug. In the in practices here in fall camp, but uh, I thought it was interesting to see what the starting lineup would look like and who's going to be the first off the bench. We'll get to some breaking news here in just a little bit. Um, we'll continue to talk about the men's basketball team, but we got some news here to give you back in regards of Utah State. Um, get to that in just a moment. Uh, okay. <laughs> you want me to just give it now? Uh, you kind of. It's kind of hard to go away from that. Uh, Utah State women's head basketball coach uh, Jerry Finkbeiner will be taking a leave of absence due to medical reasons. Uh, that's according to uh, Vice President Athletic Director John Hartwell, who announced this on Wednesday. In his absence, uh, Associate Head Coach uh, Ben Finkbeiner will oversee the program. And uh, uh, Mr. Hartwell said in uh, in quote of this, or at least quoting, or excuse me, made a comment in this, saying Jerry's health and the team's well-being are our top priorities. His staff will do great work during his time away, and we hope Jerry has a speedy recovery. So our thoughts and prayers are with uh, Coach Finkbeiner. Hope he gets feeling better, and we wish him nothing but the very best to return back to sign to help coach the U.S. women's basketball team. They had a big turnaround last year. They did. They uh, improved over the year previous, and I think there was a general sense like, ah, okay, maybe this team, they, they kept their roster together. They were starting to have some success. Keep them together again, and you just start to see it build. But then players left the program early yet again. But hopefully, yeah, this is unrelated. Hopefully he gets himself healthy and and right. In another Mountain West news, Air Force New Mexico football game this weekend has been rescheduled. They were supposed to play oh, yeah. each other this Saturday, but they moved it off until November 23rd because uh, that lineman for New Mexico passed away. And so... They wanted to give the players and the staff and everybody at New Mexico 
proper time. I mean, that's kind of rough to uh, deal with that when your teammate dies uh, to make sure they give them proper time to make those arrangements, have the funeral, let everybody grieve, and uh, kind of put themselves together again a little bit. So unfortunate situation then in, Al- in uh, Albuquerque as well. Yeah, that's a tough. That's that's really, really tough thing to have to deal with. So were both teams on a bye week then? Is that how they were able to work that in? <sighs> yeah, yeah. Air Force was, been. Air Force was on a bye week, and New Mexico must have been too because like, they were able to fit that in on a Saturday. So that will erase their bye week. But, uh, again, more important things going on over there with for New Mexico having to deal with that. That's that's always really tough. Hey, going back to this Utah State basketball game, you, you're right. You talked about the lineups before you were rudely interrupted. Um, you know, I I was kind of surprised that you didn't see Clay Stahl or uh, Roche Grootfam out there on the court at all. Yeah, I was I was surprised with that as well. Uh, we saw them in the exhibition game. Um, I, I I was interested to see how they might get used, uh, at least what the rotations would look like. You know, who would get certain minutes. Not necessarily surprised that Cuba got the start, but I am surprised that we didn't see Clay Stahl or Roche at all. Uh, and I mean, Cuba actually did pretty well. He had those three blocks at the end of the first half, uh, which which looked really nice. Uh, but Cuba actually played. I mean, for the most part, he played okay. He, like I said, he had the three blocks. He had five boards. Uh, no, he didn't have any points, did he? No points. He did have an assist. In 19 minutes. He's got to score. He's got to find ways to score. He had a couple of good looks and couldn't finish. Right. Again, it's like that conversation we had about Rudy Gobert. When you have a guy that big with that kind of advantage, use him. Yeah. I'll tell you who impressed me the most. How about this kid? Alfonso Anderson had a heck of a night in 18 minutes. He was 2 of 4 from the field, 1 of 2 from the from deep, 8 of 8 from the charity stripe with 6 boards, 13 points. He... uh in fact, took six free throws in like the final two minutes, including one where the lights went off and decided to come back on and <laughs> reset himself and go well, again. There was a stretch there late in the second half where he basically was the only offense. Yeah. I mean, he single-handedly kept things going for Utah State. And his ability to get a rebound is incredible. Really, really incredible stuff to see him be able to get up and get aboard. That's, I mean, that stood out to me. He's got great size. He's good speed. Uh, he's learning you know, how to fit into the system. But he's learning pretty quickly too. I've I've been pretty impressed with him. Uh, meanwhile, by the way, Liam McChesney is redshirting. Okay, year. that was the next thing. Was who did we not see take the court from some of these freshmen, which may indicate who's going to be doing the redshirt and who won't be. I had it too. I had it. Uh, I lost it. I don't have it anymore. I'll have to look at the roster again. Do you have it? The roster? No. The the. Who's redshirting? Because it's not who I thought it would be. Eric! You know, life show. All right, we're going to take a break while Eric continues to whistle, and then you'll find out who redshirted, and we're also going to hear from Sam Merrill. That's all coming up next on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. You'd probably think I was psychotic If you knew What I still got in my closet I slip it on over my shoulder Eric France and LJ South here on the Full Court Press. I'll take who is redshirting for Utah State for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> Lee McChesney is redshirting, and that's why I didn't bring up the other guy because I didn't know who it was. And then you asked, and I was like, "Crap!" Now I got to remember. I'd put you on the spot. Uh, but Utah State, nice with a little win there against Montana State. Yeah, they didn't put them away like we thought they could or should, but. Um, uh, interesting to hear Sam Merrill talking about how this team, well, the way this team is built, they should be able to take away, not take away, but lessen, I should, maybe it's a better word, lessen his usage rate. Yeah. And as we talked about before, and we saw it last night, that this team has flexibility with its roster, which can be really intriguing and, and pretty fun. And we saw that for stretches. And so what this looks like going forward could be 
really intriguing. And uh, I, I really like... Uh, if, but part of me thought that Brito, as an experienced player, maybe they should try to find a way for him to be a starter. But I really like him coming off the bench. He has the size and the experience to lead that second unit or to bring that spark of energy to the rest of the starters who are there. Uh, and so I really like Brito coming off the bench. And Anderson, man, that's going to be a really nice addition for yeah, Utah State. that's a really good get. Well, let's hurry. We can't get through all the Craig Smith audio. We're just going to get his opening statement. We'll call it good because we are very short on time here. And we have in the know coming up. Uh, in the next hour. So here's uh, Coach Smith for just a couple minutes uh, on the win over Montana State. And then, of course, that very, very saucy game coming up Friday night, 7 o'clock at the Spectrum versus, of course, the Weaver State Wildcats. Okay. Yep. All right. <clears throat> hey, Coach Craig Smith, thoughts on the game? Well, first of all, I thought Montana State had a, played a, a, a fantastic game. Uh, they got a good team, played super hard, played really unselfish. Uh, I thought they defended well. And, uh, and they ran good actions. And, uh, uh, and I knew this was going to be a tough game. I've been <laughs> not freaking out, but been uh, on edge a little bit here the last 10, 10 days or so because it's, it's difficult. They, they kind of flipped the script from where we were last year, quite frankly. You know, new coach, uh, a whole bunch of new players, inexperienced. And when you're preparing, and we're pretty detailed in our prep, you know, when you have 10 new players – from all over the place, and you don't know what they're going to run. And so, you know, they had us off balance uh, all night, quite frankly. And so I thought we tightened up, certainly down the stretch. Didn't have, didn't have a great start. Missed some chip shots, you know, right? I mean, just literally point-blank baskets. Um, uh, I thought we played not necessarily uh, selfishly, but I thought we wanted it easy in the first half especially. Um, just weren't cutting hard. Um, weren't curling screens, didn't work hard to get open on offense. That we defended pretty well the first half. And then obviously Frey, or Frey, whatever you say his name, I mean, uh, he is a heck of a player and obviously went ballistic. I mean, I don't know how many threes he hit, you know, from, well, I know he hit six. I'm saying, I don't know how many he hit from, you know, two and three feet past NBA range, right? And so those are deep, deep threes. And, and once you start getting going like that, you know, it's hard to stop a guy. And we were throwing the kitchen sink at him and uh, to not much success. But at the end of the day, we get down three late, and we had seven straight stops um, to get us to the lead. And I think we went 18 for 18, um, 17 or 17, 17 for 17 or 18 for 18 in the last, you know, whatever our last uh, 18 attempts or whatever it was. So that was huge for us. But um, we'll take it. It wasn't pretty. Uh, I thought our home court was really, really good. I mean, to see the herd uh, in full effect on game one like that uh, was sure exciting. And and um, and that makes a difference. I mean, 50th anniversary of the Spectrum and uh, to be able to have a student body that supports your team like that is a major, major plus. And I think that was the difference in the game tonight. Questions? Coach, you have a lot of new height on your roster this year. Can you tell me how... Um, You've kind of used that to try and make up for Nimi's absence. Yeah, I mean, we do. We're 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 big. Um, it's kind of ironic. We're big, but we went small ball. <laughs> you know, the last eight minutes or so. But um, we do. It's just it's an adjustment. And I've said this um, on some of the interviews I've had recently. Where it's like, in a lot of ways, it's a new team. We return a lot of our production, obviously, with Sam and Diogo and Bean and Brock and Abel. But, you know, not having Nimi, not having Quinn, you know, so we got to get Kuba caught up to speed and, and Trevin caught up to speed and, and all of our big guys and what we're trying to do um, with some things. But we have great length everywhere else. You know what I mean? Um, Sam's 6'5", and our second um, shortest guy on our team. And so uh, we got to continue to do a better job with that length. Sean Barstow is going to be a very good player. Just was one of those things today where just went with the veterans and the experienced guys in that kind of a game. And I think Fonz is going to be a good player too. We just got to try to figure out how to, you know, utilize him the best that we can. I thought he was huge for us, obviously, down the stretch. Um, playing on attack, I thought he did some great things defensively, some huge rebounds, in particular on the defensive end. And then obviously knocking down those free throws, even when the light went out. <laughs> we tried to ice our own guy. <laughs> Where's DJ? Um, but um, but I am excited about the new guys. We just got to get them kind of incorporated. And you get to this level, man. Every game's a dogfight, and 
and it's not always easy. So, but at the end of the day, we found a way to win, and that's what you know really matters. Coach, what was the idea of putting Fonzo on the five position going to the end of the day? Well, you know, I've, we've had about, um, I mean, June, July, August, September, October. So we've had a little over five months to just try to figure out our team and not knowing when Nimi's going to be back, and we don't know, right? And what can Cuba do to be successful, or Clay Stahl, or Roche, or Trevin, or, you know, whomever. Justin Bean gets in foul trouble, right? And, and so finally at that point, it was just like, you know what? We're going to go with our veteran guys, and, and just felt like Fonz playing some small ball with their lineups could maybe space the floor for us. And, you know, uh, Abel comes off a ball screen. Sorry, we got to cut him off and get out of here. Coach Smith, sometimes go a little bit too long. Uh, again, eighty-one. But he's not concerned about his his roster. No, he's not. Eighty-one seventy-three winners over Montana State last night. You get ready for Weber State at the Spectrum on Friday night. We're gonna get into all that on Friday. Don't or actually Thursday because we have no show on Friday. Uh, as but now we get you ready for the second hour. It's in the know on Fresno State Bulldogs. What to expect as Yaggies head to Fresno try to get themselves back on track. That's all come up on the full court press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The College Football Playoff Committee released its first ranking on Tuesday night. There were some surprises. Ohio State ranked number one. LSU was number two. Penn State ranked fourth, and Clemson was five. Of course, the top four will be shaken up quickly. LSU playing number three Alabama on Saturday. Ohio State and Penn State play each other in a couple of weeks. The point is to get insight into how the committee views these teams. And that thinking should inform their final decisions at the end of the season. But in reality, the first set of rankings may be a little more than an entertainment product. And credit ESPN into making this into a must-watch show for college football fans. The truth is, the committee's thinking can change on a dime. And all that really matters is the last ranking of the regular season. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy LSU and Clemson fans getting fired up on social media, even if the rankings don't mean that much. Certainly can't beat the passion last night. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.